Hello and welcome to the Zero to Finals podcast. My name is Tom and in this episode I'm going to be talking to you about primary amenorrhea and you can find written notes on this topic at zerotofinals.com slash primary amenorrhea or in the gynecology section of the Zero to Finals obstetrics and gynecology book. So let's get straight into it. Primary amenorrhea is defined as not starting menstruation by 13 years of age when there's no other evidence of pubertal development or by 15 years of age where there are other signs of puberty such as breast bud development. Normally puberty starts aged 8 to 14 in girls and 9 to 15 in boys. It takes about 4 years from start to finish. Girls have their pubertal growth spurt earlier in puberty than boys and in girls puberty starts with the development of the breast buds, then the pubic hair and finally the menstrual periods about two years from the start of puberty. We need to talk about something called hypogonadism and hypogonadism refers to a lack of the sex hormones estrogen and testosterone that normally rise before and during puberty. A lack of these hormones causes a delay in puberty. The lack of hormones is fundamentally due to one of two reasons and this is hypogonadotropic hypogonadism where there's a deficiency of the gonadotrophins which are LH and FSH and the other reason is hypergonadotropic hypogonadism where there's a lack of response to normal levels of LH and FSH by the gonads, the testes and the ovaries. Firstly let's talk about hypogonadotropic hypogonadism where there's a deficiency of LH and FSH and this leads to a deficiency in the sex hormones. In girls this would be estrogen. LH and FSH are gonadotropins produced by the anterior pituitary gland in response to gonadotropin releasing hormone or GnRH which is secreted by the hypothalamus. Since no gonadotropins are stimulating the ovaries, the ovaries do not produce sex hormones. In the case of girls this would be estrogen. Therefore hypogonadotropism causes hypogonadism. Low levels of LH and FSH cause low levels of estrogen. A deficiency of LH and FSH is the result of abnormal functioning of the hypothalamus or pituitary gland. And this could be due to a number of causes. Hypopituitaryism is where there's underproduction of the pituitary hormones in general, so other hormones from the pituitary gland will be affected as well. It could be due to damage to the hypothalamus or pituitary gland, for example by radiotherapy or surgery for cancer. Significant chronic conditions can temporarily delay puberty, for example cystic fibrosis or inflammatory bowel disease. Excessive exercise or dieting can delay the onset of menstruation in girls. Constitutional delay in growth and development is a temporary delay in growth and puberty without underlying physical pathology. In this condition puberty will just start at a later date but will be normal. 
Deficiency of LH and FSH can also be due to other endocrine disorders such as growth hormone deficiency, hypothyroidism, Cushing's or hyperprolactinemia. And there's a condition called Kalman syndrome, which can also cause a deficiency in LH and FSH. So let's talk a little bit more in detail about Kalman syndrome. And Kalman syndrome is a genetic condition that causes hypogonadotropic hypogonadism with a failure to start puberty. And it's also associated with a reduced or absent sense of smell, which is called anosmia. Next, let's talk about hypergonadotropic hypogonadism. Hypergonadotropic hypogonadism is where the gonads, in this case the ovaries, fail to respond to stimulation from the gonadotropins, which are LH and FSH. Without negative feedback from the sex hormones, in girls' estrogen, the anterior pituitary gland produces increasing amounts of LH and FSH to try and get a response from the gonads. Therefore you get high gonadotropins, or hypogonadotropic, and low sex hormones, hypogonadism. Hypogonadotropic hypogonadism is the result of abnormal functioning of the gonads and this could be due to previous damage to the gonads, for example torsion, cancer or infection such as mumps, congenital absence of the ovaries and Turner's syndrome which is where there's only a single X chromosome. Let's talk about congenital adrenal hyperplasia. Congenital adrenal hyperplasia is caused by a congenital deficiency of the 21-hydroxylase enzyme and this causes underproduction of cortisol and aldosterone and overproduction of androgens or male sex hormones from birth. It's a genetic condition inherited in an autosomal recessive pattern. In a small number of cases it involves a deficiency of the 11-beta-hydroxylase enzyme rather than 21-hydroxylase enzyme. In severe cases, the neonate is unwell shortly after birth with electrolyte disturbances and hypoglycemia, or low blood sugar levels. Congenital adrenal hyperplasia is relevant to primary amenorrhea because in mild cases, female patients can present later in childhood or at puberty with typical features of being tall for their age, having facial hair, having absent periods or primary amenorrhea, a deep voice and early puberty with the other signs of puberty. Let's talk about a condition called androgen insensitivity syndrome. Androgen insensitivity syndrome is a condition that occurs in males where the tissues are unable to respond to androgen hormones such as testosterone. And this means that the typical male sexual characteristics do not develop and it results in a female phenotype other than the internal pelvic organs. Patients would have normal female external genitalia and breast tissue but internally there are testes in the abdomen or the inguinal canal and an absent uterus, upper vagina, fallopian tubes and ovaries. This will inevitably lead to primary amenorrhea as the patient doesn't have a uterus. 
Next, let's talk about structural pathology that can cause primary amenorrhea. Structural pathology in the pelvic organs can prevent menstruation. If the ovaries are unaffected, there will be typical secondary sexual characteristics, but no menstrual periods. There may be cyclical abdominal pain as the menses build up but are unable to escape through the vagina. Structural pathology that can cause primary amenorrhea include an imperforate hymen, transverse vaginal septae, vaginal agenesis, an absent uterus, and female genital mutilation. Let's talk about the assessment of a patient presenting with primary amenorrhea. Assessment involves looking for evidence of puberty and assessing for possible underlying causes. The first step is to take a detailed history of their general health, development, family history, diet and lifestyle. Examination is required to assess the height, weight, the stage of pubertal development and features of any underlying conditions. The threshold for initiating investigations is no evidence of pubertal changes in a girl aged 13. Investigation can also be considered when there's some evidence of puberty but no progression after two years. The initial investigations to assess for underlying medical conditions can include a full blood count and ferritin for anemia, urea and electrolytes for chronic kidney disease and an anti-TTG or anti-EMA antibody screen for celiac disease. Hormonal blood tests can be used to assess for hormonal abnormalities and this includes an FSH and LH level which will be low in hypogonadotropic hypogonadism and high in hypogonadotropic hypogonadism. Thyroid function tests, insulin-like growth factor 1 which is used to screen for growth hormone deficiency, prolactin will be raised in hyperprolactinemia and testosterone will be raised in polycystic ovarian syndrome, androgen insensitivity syndrome and congenital adrenal hyperplasia. Genetic testing can be performed with a microarray test which is used to assess for underlying genetic conditions such as Turner's syndrome which is where there's only one X chromosome and imaging can be useful such as an x-ray of the wrist to assess for the bone age and inform a diagnosis of constitutional delay in growth and development a pelvic ultrasound to assess the ovaries and for other pelvic structural pathology and an MRI scan of the brain to look for pituitary pathology and assess the olfactory bulbs in a possible Kalman syndrome. Finally, let's talk about management. Management of primary amenorrhea involves establishing and treating the underlying cause. Where necessary, replacement hormones can induce menstruation and improve symptoms. Patients with constitutional delay in growth and development may only require reassurance and observation because you would expect that periods would resume as normal at a later date. Where the cause is due to stress or low body weight secondary to diet and exercise, treatment involves a reduction in stress, cognitive behavioural therapy and healthy weight gain.
Where the cause is due to underlying chronic or endocrine conditions, management involves treatment being optimised for those conditions. In patients with hypogonadotropic hypogonadism, where the cause is due to a deficiency in LH and FSH from the pituitary gland, where they have hypopituitarism or Kalman syndrome, treatment with pulsatile GnRH, which is normally the hormone produced by the hypothalamus, can be used in order to induce ovulation and menstruation. This has the potential to induce fertility as well. Alternatively, where pregnancy is not wanted, replacement sex hormones in the form of the combined contraceptive pill can be used to induce regular menstruation and prevent the symptoms of estrogen deficiency. In patients with an ovarian cause of the amenorrhea, such as polycystic ovarian syndrome, damage to the ovaries or absence of the ovaries, the combined contraceptive pill may be used to induce regular menstruation and prevent the development of estrogen deficiency. So thanks for listening to this episode on primary amenorrhea. As always, a big thank you to Harry Watchman for perfectly editing the podcast and I hope you join me for the next episode where we'll talk about secondary amenorrhea.